Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Carol Lennig is a Pulitzer Prize winner from the Washington Post with a hit new book, Zero Fail, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. I tore through all 500 pages of this book, and she joins me now. Carol, it's great to have you here. Congratulations. Thank you, Michael. I'm looking forward to what you want to ask me. Well, let me lead with this. In, in a book that is just chock full of revelations, here's the one that stunned me. Here's one of the ones that stunned me, that a young Bob Schieffer was at the cellar in Dallas with those nine Secret Service agents the night before the Kennedy assassin. Bob Schieffer? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, remember, Bob Schieffer was very young in 1963 and probably was going to bars from time to time um, with uh, the traveling circus that travels with the president everywhere he goes. Um, What was the cellar? The cellar was a beatnik kind of... Uh, and and very controversial for the 1960s kind of cafe. Really, it was a place where they served spiked grain alcohol cocktails, which sounds pretty horrible now. Um, and it, and the night that the Secret Service agents and the entire again entourage with with President Kennedy gathered for his um, 
you know, uh, traveling with him for his reelection, the kickoff of his reelection campaign going through Texas, they land in this place in Fort Worth, which is, of course, the little sister city next to Dallas. And when they get there that night at 11 o'clock at night, very little is open. They want to go get a drink. They want to get some food. Um, they try to go to this press club with the reporters. There's no food there. It's shutting down. Um, and they head to the cellar where they have some drinks and some of them, some of the presidential protection detail agents that will ride through Daly Plaza the next day um, are up until two, three and five o'clock in the morning before they get back to their hotel where the president is staying in Fort Worth. Was it borderline a brothel? I mean, the waitresses were wearing things that really resembled lingerie most of the time or or maybe skimpy bikinis. But I don't think there was a burlesque show. Um, it was literally just a place where you could hear beatnik poets and you could sometimes hear bands perform. But mostly it was a, you know, a, a good time drinking place. You made me realize in reading the book that the United States has quite a history of political assassination or attempted assassination. We lost McKinley, Lincoln, and Garfield in the span of 36 years. Obviously, the Kennedy assassination, George Wallace, and you deal with it in detail, the shooting of George Wallace by Bremer, uh, Gerald Ford subject to two assassination attempts, Ronald Reagan with John Hinckley, uh, not presidents, but um, MLK, Bobby Kennedy. I wonder, and and I hope I'm not catching you cold in this regard, are we unique in this subject area? Well, uh, you know, that's a pretty good deep question, actually, if you think about the American culture. We are um, fans of guns and, and having ability to access guns compared to other countries. And what the Secret Service has painfully learned over the last 60 years is that people who have paranoid schizophrenia and delusions or domestic extremists stoked by conspiracy theories in several instances that I write about in my book, that this group of people often um, find that the way they feel their problem will be solved or the way that they will become a hero is by killing someone famous or killing a lot of people uh, and becoming famous. So trying to kill a president becomes very popular essentially with a subset of people who are going through a mental health um, crisis or people who have been egged on to believe uh, a falsehood. Well, you tell the story in the book of, of the service having commissioned a psychological study of what types of people are likely to assassinate. I'm looking at my notes According to your reporting, they looked at 83 people who had attacked or came close to attacking prominent Americans between 1949 and 1996. So what did they find? They found such incredible similarity among these would-be killers. These potential, you know, these these people who are aspiring assassins, um had debriefing psychological conversations where they and they're chilling because they're on tape And, you know, somebody who wanted to kill President Clinton said, essentially, I would have kept trying no matter what until I could kill him if I hadn't been stopped. The other thing that they find is that it is about fame, that that there's something just like John Hinckley wanted to win actress Jodie Foster's love by killing somebody important. Uh, And in this case, you know, he tried to kill President Carter. 
uh, he, he didn't succeed. And then he was able to finally find a window, a chink in the armor and shoot at Reagan. And, and he hoped that he had killed him, but he had not succeeded. People not are to, trying. Not, oh, yeah, sorry. Not to make not to make light of the subject, but you never get the girl. Like, don't these guys realize <laughs> that you're not going to get you're not going to get Jodie Foster, even if you do kill Ronald Reagan? You know, again, mental health problems being what they are, you you can't really re- reason with a John Hinckley. Um, but, it, you know, what's interesting is the same what they also found that's true about Hinckley and about Arthur Bremer. You know, while they wanted this fame and they 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 thought that it was going to make them dashing and handsome and get the girl. Um they were relentless. They didn't care about the politics. It's not like they had enmity for anybody. Right. You know, Bremer wanted to kill Nixon, but he had, in, as a testament to the Secret Service's success during those years, he could not get through. He went all the way to Canada in his car, slept in his car for days, staking out areas in Ottawa to try to shoot him when he was visiting. And he couldn't get through the people he called those Secret Service, um, the Secret Service bother men. And he ultimately succeeds getting a campaign candidate for president George Wallace and successfully gets there because the protection is, you know, less uh, intense. Um, The other thing that I think is interesting that they found was that would be assassins of presidents are really similar to the people who try to shoot up schools. And, um, and sadly, the other thing they found is that in every instance, maybe one exception, family, friends, and coworkers knew of the person's intention, or at least of the hints that they were planning something like this. Every Scary. single one. Scary yeah. and sad. And- Tim McCarthy literally takes the bullet for Ronald Reagan. Um, is it lore or is it true that when you become a Secret Service agent, you are making a commitment to take that bullet for a principal if need be? It is not lower. It is it is so real. It is so much at the bedrock of what so many agents um, talk about, you know, very, very poignantly and also live. And Tim McCarthy is a testament to the Secret Service's rebuilding after Kennedy's assassination. The Secret Service was so, you know, the Amer- America was was traumatized by Kennedy's death. Everybody who was a, a two year old, forgive me, a four year old and up can remember where they were when that happened. Kids can remember their teachers crying, but the Secret Service remembers it in an even heavier pain. It was it caused alcoholism. It caused suicides. It was such a such a gut punch. And, you know, after that, incredible rigor in their training. And the training was all about taking that bullet. And Tim McCarthy, you know, as the first shot, the first sound of a shot and remember, Hinckley got off, I think, six or seven shots in 1.6 seconds. Um, the first sound of it, Hank McCarthy's hands and chest go up to to block the president who he knows is behind him. There's a great uh, just line amazing. In, there's a great line in your book that, unfortunately, I'm thumbing it through and I, I can't find it. But you speak of how change with the Secret Service often follows the flow of blood. I hope I'm paraphrasing it accurately. And your point was that, okay, after Kennedy, there will be no open air limousines. After George Wallace, we're going to manage the rope line differently. After Ronald Reagan, we'll do covered arrivals and we're going to mag everybody who's there. 
And I, I guess it's easy to be critical of the and you're not in those instances. It's easy for someone to play armchair quarterback and have 2020 hindsight. Um, but it's hard to game out, you know, exactly what the next challenge will be unless you're going to completely isolate a president somewhere in there. I hope there's a question. You know, I love how you summarize that so quickly and deftly about the the born of blood is the term you're looking for. The okay, secret services. Yeah, the secret services methods are born of blood. Like when when this event happens, they were scurry, scurry, scurry to make sure that never happens again. Well, that is a little bit America's national security model. As you know, you know, the Christmas Day bomber, all of a sudden, none of us can ever uh, take three more than three ounces of liquid on a plane again to prevent anybody from bringing an accelerant in their shoe or underwear um, on a plane. So we all have prepared for the Christmas Day bomber a million times now. I think what's a little bit disappointing and sad is that just like 9-11, there are always failures of imagination. And the Secret Service knew in the 90s during President Clinton that people would try to attack the White House by plane because a man did hijack a small plane and crash it into the South Lawn, um, luckily missing the president and, and scraping the building ever so slightly, but not damaging it terribly. President Clinton then was actually living in Blair House during the renovations. But sometimes there are warnings ahead of time and the service misses them. Uh, right now, they need a, a, a big refresh because there are a lot of things they're not prepared for. Well, so in your author's note, by the way, this, this is Carol Lennig, and the book is great. It's called Zero Fail, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. 
Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. This is Carol Lennig and the book is great. It's called Zero Fail, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. And in your author's note, after you reported on Hookergate in Cartagena in 2012, you said that you realized that the Secret Service was not living up to its its duty to keep presidents safe. And you anticipated that with the publication of this book, the Secret Service leadership and alumni, that they were vowing to attack your work. I did not regard this as a negative portrayal of the Secret Service. I read the entire book and my heart broke for a lot of these men, men in particular, women later uh, playing a significant role, because it seemed like they were constantly... They were constantly understaffed, overworked, put in positions that, frankly, could never have seen what was coming. And, Carol, I wondered this. If if someone with your investigative talents had focused on any other group of individuals who number 7,000, don't you think you could find similar management issues and personnel problems? Absolutely. Absolutely. And many agents have said to me, Carol, could you look at the FBI, please? <laughs> um, <I> mean, <laughs> right. But but, you know, I love also, Michael, the way you capture, you know, my purpose here. I mean, agents, this book became like a labor of love because so many people risk their careers and their and their professional reputations and their and their good old boy connections right with all their friends to tell me these 
these painful truths. And they want to ring this alarm bell that the service is stretched too thin for too long. Its mission is enormous compared to the staff and the money that it has. Its technologies are back in the you know, 1980s and 1990s sometimes, and they, and they really need a, a, a tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in an upgrade of that technology. You know, a jumper got into the White House in 2014, and the, my sources were flabbergasted that this could happen, and yet they knew it could happen. They'd seen other security failures In 30 before. seconds. In 30 seconds, right? In From 30 fence seconds, to interior. A man with a limp, no plan, wearing plastic crops, uh, crops. And a knife uh, was able in 29 seconds to move from a public sidewalk to the foot of the president's residence inside the landing and into the East Room. So that was flabbergasting to them. And they were going to vow that it would never happen again. And everybody promised, except it happened again in March 2017. And why was a, a again, another intruder with no plan, thank goodness he wasn't a trained assassin, was on the White House grounds for 15, 17 minutes, nobody being able to find him. Why? Cameras weren't working. Alarms on the fences, sensors on the ground were on the fritz. Even the radio of the officer who found the man ultimately um, was was failing. So he couldn't call for backup and alert people where he was. You know, America deserves better, but the Secret Service agents deserve better. Imagine if it's your job to take a bullet for the president and to have a zero fail mission, to never have a mistake, and your freaking radio doesn't work. Um, forgive me. I shouldn't have said it that way. But a hun- and, and you point out hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent to, to keep the president safe in that environment. I, I get that. It's inexcusable that a jumper with mental illness, a jumper of, of any kind, could get inside the White House in 30 seconds. It's, it's beyond the pale. But... I I wonder, and I hate to have this conversation, but it's the subject matter of your book. I wonder if it's really possible to protect a modern president living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. When I stay in Washington, D.C., I have a favorite hotel in very close proximity. I'm not going to name it. You'll know it. And every (laughs) time that they afford me one of the rooms with a view, I can't help but look out the window and think if I were someone with with an ill intent this is where I would be. I mean, if, if you're going to have a president living at that address, there are always going to be vulnerabilities. I think you're so right. Um, and I hope no one ever figures out that particular vulnerability, although there are some covers to, to prevent the line of sight shooting. But, you know, there was a shooting at the White House at, in 2011 where nobody realized, and they should have because they're marksmen, nobody realized that a guy with an assault rifle on public property. yards. Yeah, could shoot that assault assault rifle and hit the White House seven times. I mean, it's lucky that the 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 president wasn't home. The shots hit the, the Truman balcony and a window and broke it. But his children were home. His mother in law, their grandmother, was home. Um, so there are there are scary opportunities. I also wonder about the terrible tension between the Secret Service agents and, and White House staff. White House staff, right, they want the Secret Service agents increasingly out of the picture, like get that bubble further away. Agents want to get closer. But the image on television that that White House staff want for the president is an everyman who doesn't sure. need any protection yep. from taxpayers. 
people were worried Donald Trump was going to get shot on his golf course because it was routine. And he went there every Saturday that it was nice weather and he didn't have agents around him. And you had a telescopic. Well, Carol, he didn't have to worry because he'd gotten rid of, quote unquote, all the fatties. Um, I want uh, you don't have to explain. We're not giving it all away for free. We want people to buy this book and read it. I, I'd be derelict in my duty if, if I didn't talk about Cartagena, at least briefly, because this is really when correct me if I'm wrong. This is when the whole subject caught your attention and you did all that great reporting. I'm reading from page 318. The clerk was annoyed. When she showed up for work, she found more than a dozen prostitutes ID cards still in a little box at the front desk. That meant she had to make a lot of awkward reminder calls to the hotel's American guests. It's an unbelievable chapter plus of your uh, your book. I'm left with the question, is a one night stand with a foreign national permitted? What if the Secret Service agent is not married? I mean, it is permitted, but it must be reported immediately for national security reasons. And um, you can sort of see why a lot of agents weren't reporting uh, that piece of information. And tragically, there's someone who had been doing it for years um, in a in a relationship with a foreign national and not reporting it and eventually committed suicide when he was found out. It's allowed, but one of the big problems of Cartagena, and you're right, Michael, it is why I entered this story. I fell into the beat of the Secret Service by accident because of a sex scandal, which then was the most humiliating thing that anyone could imagine the Secret Service agents could be engaged in, bringing prostitutes back to their rooms. And it turned out there was something much bigger looming underneath that iceberg. Um, But the national security concern is if you're going to get hammered in Colombia, while you're supposed to be preparing security for the president and you bring a complete stranger who you've never met and can't remember her name back to your room where you have your gun and your security plans, you know, you're compromising the security operation. Your plans on your phone and on paper in your in your apartment, forgive me, hotel room are going to tell everybody exactly where President Obama at that point is going to stand the next day, where he's arriving, where you're greeting him, where you're walking him through. So you're putting the president at danger and compromising the mission. Okay, so that's sex on the part of the Secret Service. Let's let's end by talking about sex on the part of the president, because you go through <laughs> all the detail with regard to, to JFK. Um, amazing, the idea that a president could leave the White House for a liaison, including, by the way, according to your reporting, on Bill Clinton's watch. And if I knew I'd forgotten... You know, I remember the SNL routine of Clinton uh, jogging into McDonald's. I did not know that the routine was he would jog from the governor's mansion to the YMCA for hookups, take a shower, now go to McDonald's and then be driven back. Anyway, here's here's the question for Carol Lennig. So just just some of this, just some of the sex in my book. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the just let it go line on JFK's watch, which continues, speak to the mindset of hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Like, when does a Secret Service agent have an obligation, if at all, to say something about misbehavior of a president? Rehnquist didn't buy into this, you know, in in the whole Nixon era, and you talk about that as well, but address that issue. 
This is, was a huge um, strain on the Secret Service uh, that came really to a head during the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal, which is really, let's be honest, the President Clinton scandal. Um, Monica Lewinsky was just the intern uh, that, he, that he was caught having these liaisons with. It came to a head because in their DNA, Secret Service agents strongly believe that it is they're honor bound to keep the confidences of the president. Why? If you're going to be, if you're going to be at shoulder to the president protecting him, and that's part of the security gig, if that's how you're going to protect him, then you're going to hear things that he says. You're going to hear arguments that he has with his wife. You're going to hear his children, um, you know, accuse him of various things. So keeping that confidence, I understand and, and appreciate why it's such a, um, a feeling of duty, an oath to that confidence. But the problem is that in the case of the YMCA with President Clinton, when he was then a candidate and women, um, uh, forgive me, women were meeting him according to agents that I interviewed inside the YMCA. The agents aren't thinking, oh, this is salacious and immoral. They're thinking I'm personally and professionally responsible for keeping that guy alive, but it's on the other side of the door and I can't control it. So, you know, it goes from being like embarrassing for a politician to an actual security failure. And if you're going to be putting them on the hook for a zero fail mission, then you're going to have to let them into these problems. Now, you you rightly, that's the answer to the question. I'll stop there. <laughs> We're not giving it all away for free. We have only scratched the surface. It's called Zero Fail. It's excellent. And I really appreciate your willingness to come on and spend so much time talking about it. And Michael, thank you, because I think you're helping with this piece. Ring the alarm bell for those agents so dedicated, officers so dedicated, who who are scared about a president being killed on their watch. Thank you for doing this. But, but Carol, quick final question. Are people pissed about this book? Because honestly, having read it in anticipation of a lot of blowback toward you, I don't know that it's warranted. I mean, the leadership of the Secret Service is not happy about it. I fact-checked everything in this book with the Secret Service. They're, they're very unhappy. And I know that there are former directors and alumni who are very unhappy because it tarnishes the brand that they revere, right? They don't want it to look tarnished. But the people who are doing the job, the people on the front lines, the people who recently left and, and are despondent about the state of affairs that they saw in the last decade, you know, they're cheering this kind of quietly, but they're cheering it. Nicely done. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed every minute. Thank you. That's Carol Lennig, ladies and gentlemen, Pulitzer Prize winner from The Post. The book is terrific. It's called Zero Fail. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.